Hi, I'm Jasmine, and welcome to your brand new series of Lifesavers, the podcast by the RNLI, the charity that saves lives at sea. 2020 has been a year like no other, but while circumstances have been so uncertain, there's still one thing that we've all been able to depend on, in one form or another, family. That's why in this series, I'll be speaking to lifeboat volunteers and lifeguards who have been on call throughout the pandemic to launch to someone's rescue and bring them home safely to make a family whole again. For our first episode, I'm speaking to Andy from Her Majesty's Coast Guard and Alyssa, a lifeboat volunteer from Abbasoc RNLI. They're two people from two different organisations who work together as one life-saving team to rescue a 17-year-old paddleboarder named Alfie. I could hear the water entering Alfie's mouth and he was almost like gargling to me at times. And I thought, I'm not leaving this young man. I cannot leave him alone. I think actually it's, it's one of the calls that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life. He was such a brave and polite young man. Um, you know, he never stopped thanking us up until you know, the moment he was, he was sort of out of sight. Alfie was at the mercy of the large waves after he got separated from his paddleboard. Thankfully, he was wearing a life jacket, a wetsuit, and his mobile phone in a waterproof pouch, which he used to dial 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. Those decisions saved his life. Andy answered Alfie's 999 call and coordinated the Coast Guard helicopter and RNLI Abbasoc lifeboat crew to Alfie's rescue. What you're about to hear is the real 999 call between Andy and Alfie earlier this summer. Coast Guard rescue. Oh my God! Thank you. I'm 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 like 400 miles now, 400 meters off the coast. Uh, to, I don't know where it is, but it's on a flight port fairly. Uh, uh, the the two islands off the coast. What's the issue with it? Mate? What's the, what's the problem? Are you on a paddleboard or a kayak or what you're doing at the moment? But I had a paddleboard, but now I'm I'm drowning. I have a life, life jacket. You have a life jacket? Yeah. I'll just keep on, are you able to speak to one of the folk for just a few more minutes? Because I can get your position to where you are. Thank you. The waves are getting quite tough. I'm, I'm really struggling here. Keep calm and rest back and lie back as much as you can with your legs wide apart. If you use your the waves are really bad now. Oh, that's, that's fine, you will float over the water. What's your name? Alfie. Your name's Alfie. Do you mind? Keep talking to me. No, that's absolutely fine. I will keep talking to you to keep you calm. Like I said, just stop panicking, control your breathing, and just lean back and spread your legs. Yeah. Try, and, try and float as much as you can. How old are you, Alfie? Oh, 17. You're 17. And we've requested a helicopter. Uh, we've also requested the Abbasoc lifeboat as well. It's getting quite cold as well. No, that's fine. Oh. You're wearing, are, are you wearing a wetsuit? Yeah. Don't, no. don't panic, Alfie. Just stay on your back and stay awake. I'm going to drown. No, you're not going to drown, Alfie. We've got help okay. on the way and they will be, be with you shortly. I'm starting to get very scared. You're doing really well, Alfie. Can you hear, can you hear a helicopter coming at all? Can you hear yes. any, Can you hear a helicopter there? Hello, I can, hello. Are you still there, Alfie? I 
remember listening intently and I could hear a female's voice talking and saying, you're okay, we've got you. And from what I understand now, that was Alyssa. I was just relieved that he was safe. Do you remember what your day had been like before you first answered that call? It had been a it had been a routine day. Uh, the weather forecast came in, strong swell was was building, offshore winds were building, and um, a flurry of calls started to come in. And I think one of my colleagues took a call from a concerned member of the public who'd witnessed a paddleboarder being blown out to sea and appearing in difficulties. And then I was on another routine call, tidying up some paperwork, asking some final questions from an incident we'd had earlier in the week, and then another flurry of 999 calls came in. And it was at that moment I looked up and saw my colleagues, all their red lights were on saying that they were all busy, and then took the call. And it was Alfie. What was going through your mind when you kind of realised that the person on the other end of the line was in the water and was also a young person? Couldn't really tell to start with because he was, he was, as soon as he answered the phone, he was on transmit. He was telling everything he could and remember of where he was. And at the time he was telling me, I'm thinking, I don't know of two islands near Pithwelly. However, I do know of a paddleboarder in difficulties further around the coast. And then as soon as he said he was paddleboarding and now he was in the water and drowning, that was when I put two and two together and suddenly thought we might have a serious issue here. Can you tell me in your own words kind of what happened after that when you established what was going on? Yeah, once I established what was going on, I passed, I put the microphone on mic on mute and spoke to my colleagues who said, um, look, I, I think I've got your paddleboarder. And luckily, um, Abbasop Lifeboat and also the Aberdaran Coast Guard Rescue Team were also in the area. And they had, they luckily, they had eyes on Alfie and they were directing the lifeboat to where they last saw Alfie and as it disappeared around the headland. And like I said, you can hear me asking questions and then repeating them back. But that's not for my benefit, that's for my colleagues' benefit in the, in the room so they can hear what I'm asking and they can hear the answers. And at the same time, I'm trying to coordinate where he actually is using our Coast Guard equipment to work out where the actual coordinates of where he was uh, it was just basically reassuring Alfie. You could hear the tone in his in his voice very underlying. He was starting to get concerned. And occasionally, sometimes in the call, I could hear the water entering Alfie's mouth. And he was almost like gargling to me at times. And I thought, I'm not leaving this young man. I cannot leave him alone. And so I'm having three or four conversations with my colleagues, keep putting the microphone on mute, asking Alfie not to speak and just relax. But everybody in the whole ops room was on this one. I think my colleague Sarah was in contact with the helicopter. My other colleague Steph was on contact with the Abbasop lifeboat and Harry was in the corner sort of doing a search plan. And it, it was all coming together and we we're all having this major conversation at the same time. But Alfie can't hear. All he can hear is me every now and then coming in. You OK, Alfie? And just asking questions to find out his welfare. That is incredible. That That's a real testament as well to, as to how much goes on, I think, in a 999 call to the Coast Guard and you have no idea about all this other stuff that's going on behind the scenes to help make sure that someone gets the help that they need to bring them back to safety. You would never know from hearing the call that that all of that was going on while you were having that chat with Alfie. Yeah, like I said to you before, I'm a bloke as well, so trying to multitask and breathe at the same time is, <laughs> is quite a rare option. <laughs> was there a moment when you were on the call with Alfie where you did fear the worst? 
I think when he I asked his age and he said he was 17, I tried not to show up. I was, oh, my God, he's, he's only 17. And then and then he said he was he goes, I'm drowning. All the updates that were coming in and my colleagues were putting the information into the system and it's getting updated in front of my eyes. As I can see it. I know knowing the helicopters seven minutes away. I know Abbasok lifeboat were on scene. They were doing a search with the wind and the tide from where he was last seen. So I knew it was only a matter of time. How long do you think you were on the call for? It didn't seem that long. However, I do know I was on the call for him for nearly half an hour, 30 minutes. And did it literally feel like five? It literally felt like five because all the conversations going on in the background with my colleagues, time just flew by. Did you have an idea of what to talk to him about while you were on the phone? Or was it literally anything to keep him calm and focused? At one point, I was asking him his name of his mum, his father, where he was from. And then at that point, he told me where he was from. And it was a county that I grew up in the south of England. And so I knew straight away where he was from. And so we had started having conversations about what I used to get up to maybe 25, 30 years ago in the area of his town where he came from. And so it, it was quite nice. And that must have just meant everything to him as well, just to have that distraction and just have a voice there with him. I hope so. Uh, there was a couple of points where I felt he was... I was going to lose his concentration, but I just just said what I what I felt to bring him back. I just didn't want him to worry at all. It could have been any of our any of the many colleagues that answered that call that day, and it was just me. And I know because you are wonderfully modest, I know that you would give such a lovely answer like that. But I do want to say you were such a crucial lifesaver that day, and I know that Alfie would agree with me. And I just want to say such a big thank you for everything that you do. I'll accept that, but I'll, I'll accept on behalf of everybody I was working with that day as well. It was it was an all-round team effort with Alyssa, the Coast Guard rescue teams, everyone. Alfie himself as well, he did everything right that day and everything that could have been against Alfie was. What had he done that was right? Mainly taking a means of asking for help if he needed it. He was wearing a, a life jacket, he was wearing a wetsuit. He'd even gone with a buddy so that to, to be able to raise the alarm in the first place. And he knew where he'd started from. Everything that could have been against him was, and he just, he knew how to call the Coast Guard of the area he was in. What, in your eyes, makes someone brave? Alfie, he was an absolute star. I would say he was very brave that day by being able to keep his calm and tell me what and where he was and what was going on. And if you were able to say a few words to Alfie, what would you say to him? How are you doing, sunshine? <laughs> no worries. How is everything? To be polite as well in that situation. And, and, and I just hope it was you're not having any more issues from it now from fast on because you did absolutely everything right that day. It was perfect. And now let's hear from Alyssa. The guy on the phone call was amazing. I remember um, after the call when I heard the, the the audio for the first time, it made me cry. That that element of it, obviously, we don't see when we're when we're at sea. We're just you know going on with the information we've got. Um, but yeah, it was really emotional to listen to it. One of those that's going to stay with me, I think, for a long time. Can you tell me in your own words what happened that day? I was actually um, meeting a friend um, locally, and I remember um, I, I pulled up to me. So she's she was camping in a field near where we live. Um, and I just said, oh, I'm just going to leave the car facing out. I said, oh, you're on call today. And I said, well, we're always kind of on call. But I said, you know, it just sort of feels like one of those days. Um, and then literally within about five minutes, Paige had actually gone off. So then got to the station. They were a bit short on the ground. So I hopped on as crew. 
um and uh, the, the brief that we got when we got to the station was um we knew it was a young person we didn't know how young um and then it was paddleboarder in, in difficulty and it was over around Abadaran. so yeah we kitted up and and off we went and then it was only as we were sort of getting around there that a bit more information came out um and where the, the station is it's quite sheltered but then sort of we launched and we thought oh actually it's a bit bumpier than we thought today and then thinking oh actually actually it's someone who's quite young and they are, you know, on a paddleboard around there where it's quite exposed, you know, starting to think that, you know, perhaps it's, it's a bit more serious than, than we initially thought. As, as we were heading around there, you know, we found out that um, it was it was a young lad, he was 17, and that potentially he wasn't he wasn't on his paddleboard anymore, that now he was actually in the water. Um, and what was sort of coming across was that people couldn't really see him anymore. So, um, you know, it's starting to rather than a sort of assistance call, it was turning into um, search and rescue. And do you remember what it was like when you actually got on scene and you saw him? Um, well, it took us a while to find him. So um, when we got to the, the last sort of location that he was reported to, to be um, and he wasn't there, um, the information that we kept getting was the same, saying, you know, that the point that where they were expecting him to be, he just wasn't there. Um, and then I'd say within about five, ten minutes, we actually found his paddleboard and obviously he wasn't with that. Um, so it's starting to feel more and more serious, you know, as, as the search is progressing. And then eventually when it was the helm, um, Fritz, who spotted him, um, he was just like a, a tiny little head in, in the water. Um, so there's initially sort of the relief, but then there's obviously a bit of trepidation over to what condition we're going to find him in. And in the rescue video, you see the moment that the lifeboat does get to Alfie and you call out to him like, all right, mate, we've got you. And then you literally lean yeah. out over the boat with your arms to, to kind of to grab him. What was going yeah. through your head at that moment? Um, I mean, he he obviously looked very frightened. Um, he looked like he was in a lot of distress. And and often when people are in that sort of situation, you know, everything happens very quickly. So it's it's very much giving those sort of verbal signals saying, look, we're here, we're here to help you. Um, you know, it's over. Um, everything's going to be all right. And um, giving them that sort of reassurance. Um, and particularly these days as well, because with the additional PPE and with the masks covering our faces and things like that, particularly with young people, um, it's really important that we are giving that that verbal reassurance and, and sort of having that constant communication with them. Um, because you do you do lose a bit now with that additional barrier between between us and them. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just about, you know, trying to make him feel safe, particularly because you don't, you don't really want people to panic just at, just at the point where, where you've reached them as well. Absolutely. I think job amazingly well done. I would have felt in such safe hands if I were him. <laughs> um, and once you kind of have hold of him, you do hear him on the on the video. So you say to him, you're safe now. We've got you. OK. Was yeah. that the moment that you yourself felt relief like he was out of immediate danger? I mean, again, that, that's us trying to reassure him. Um, the minute we sort of get eyes on him, we start doing an assessment over what sort of condition he's in. Um, so it was clear that he was actually going to the stage. He was quite poorly. He'd been in the water a long time. Um, he looked like he'd ingested. He was giving signs he'd ingested quite a lot of water. Um, he was shaking and his, his arms had cramped up as well. So he was in you know, quite a serious condition and quite, quite far down the line in terms of his exposure to the elements. So at that stage, it's providing reassurance and trying to keep him calm. Once you kind of got him into the lifeboat, what was your next priority after you'd kind of you got him in there and you'd seen what kind of state he was in? trying to warm him up trying to keep him calm um, and then sort of working out what what the extraction for him was going to be now because of where we were in terms of the geography of north wales abadaran's really really remote so if we were going to land him onto the beach and wait for an ambulance we could have been waiting well over an hour it was really clear he needed quick attention really and um the coast guard helicopter had already been tasked so um fritz the helm made the decision that he wanted him airlifted uh, to get him to hospital as quickly as possible 
And in the video as well, that is seamless how you and the Coast Guard seem that you just seem to work out a plan between you. I mean, how do you communicate with the crew on on the helicopter from the crew in the lifeboat? Comes with a helicopter all done over VHF radio. Um, And so the manoeuvre that you see for it is actually something that we practice. So um, it's a transfer that's done whilst the boat and the helicopter are moving. Uh, the winchman comes down so I'm really glad it looks seamless it's it's one of those where you're just sort of trusting that the helm knows what he's doing you know so there's, there's a lot of trust in the people that you're at sea with for something like that and you've got family yourself on the lifeboat crew don't you yeah so Fritz who is the helm's actually my husband um and uh Enchi, um is my stepdaughter so Fritz's daughter so she's been on the crew for a couple of years as well do you think as a parent or a step-parent, do you feel like an extra layer of urgency or responsibility when you get tasked to uh, a young casualty like Alfie? I suppose so, but I, I don't think it's necessarily limited to parents. I think anything where it comes to young people and people who are frightened, um, I think there's something innate in people who you know put themselves out there to be rescuers and volunteers that you know these people that you want to help, and particularly when it's people, it's people who are more vulnerable, it definitely sort of ups, ups the urgency with it. Ivan um, was a prime example of that. So he's one of our youngest crew members and absolutely without instruction, just by his own initiative, you know, he sits behind Alfie and wraps him up in his arms to keep him warm and and help him feel safe. Um, And, you know, he wasn't told to do that. There's no specific training that tells us to do that. It's just because he was young and he was vulnerable and he knew it was the right thing to do. Oh, that's so perfect. That's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) And from just our chat today, if there's anything that you think that you would you would like to say to Alfie just in terms of how he how he was in the water or how he reacted to the situation what do you think you might say he was such a brave young man that day um he did everything that he possibly could you know which made it much easier to find um and much quicker to find and um I think actually it's it's one of the calls I'll probably remember for the rest of my life he was such a brave and polite young man um, you know, he never stopped thanking us up until, you know, the moment he was he was sort of out of sight. Um, so, you know, and just just wishing him the best of luck for the future, really. In particular, this shout just shows sort of how fantastic the crew all work as a team together. Um, you know, everybody has, you know, particular sets of skills and things like that. And, you know, when I think when people see footage like this going out and, you know, you might see particular characters and particular people featuring, you know, there's, there's a lot of training and work that goes on um, from everybody in the background, really. And it's, it's very satisfying when you see a job well done and know that it's because you know the team's really pulled together absolutely I completely agree and I'm so thankful for the team that you are and for you for being part of the team and for keeping everybody safe especially in these last few months where I can't even imagine how difficult it's been yeah I think um COVID's kind of brought a whole new element the fact that the crew haven't been able to train as much together um, and perhaps sometimes not feel as much of a unit as, as we were before. You know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche. We always say we're, we're like one big family and it's, it's trying not to lose that connection. But then, you know, ultimately we get out on a shout together and, um, you know, the, the old team's all still there and we've all still got that common goal. And yeah, just, just hope we can, um, you know, carry on battling through it all really. Thank you so much to Andy, Alyssa and Alfie for sharing your incredible rescue story. And thank you at home for listening. If you've been inspired by the people you've heard today, you can watch the real footage from the rescue video as it happened. You'll find the link in the episode description. The RNLI is completely reliant on the generosity of the public. And if you're able to, it would mean so much to us if you might consider leaving a kind donation to make more rescues like this possible. 
simply visit rnli.org forward slash saving families. No matter how big or small, every penny makes a life-saving difference. If you're enjoying our podcast, get the next episode as soon as it's released by subscribing to the series on iTunes. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a five-star rating to help others find us too. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.